Welcome to Inside the Real Job with me, your host, Yenfu Chen. Get ready to explore the world of diverse careers while fascinating stories await. We'll delve into the pros and cons while witnessing ever-evolving industries. Join me as we connect with individuals from all walks of life, unveiling their secrets and navigating the dynamic world of work. Let's embark on this journey into the realm of real jobs. Hey Chris, thanks for inviting me to your office here for a cup of tea to sit down and really get to really know the life of a financial planner. So what's a, what is a financial planner and what does a typical day encompass? Financial planner slash financial advisor. So my day is dealing with clients and issues and opportunities that present themselves. So a client usually comes in because they've got some issue that they are not sure about, they want solved. So that's my job is to solve their financial issues, basically. It might be too much debt. It might be, how do I retire? It might be, am I doing the right thing with my finances? So we sit down and go through their finances and talk about different ways that they could structure things and um, improve their financial life, give them some well-being in their mind basically so they're comfortable because most people aren't sure what they're going to be how to do stuff in the future and what they need to do yeah right as a financial planner you solve people's financial concerns and hopefully help them to build more wealth yes so it's people that are, they might be fine but they don't know um some people have probably got things there all over the place they just need to get structured and have some organization in there and understand that kind of professionals looking at it for them as well getting some validation of what they're doing if it's correct or if it's and not making the big silly mistakes where you say people scams yeah i'm sure there's also strategy and methods that you use but first let's take a reflection moment and why don't you tell us how you got to where you are as a financial planner but also why did you get into it and you know what made you start your own business as well sure after school went to uni did a business degree still wasn't sure what i wanted to do got a job at one of the super companies so i was in there for a few years i didn't know what a financial planner was but started to deal with a few financial planners that had already been established and talking to them and found it interesting and i decided like oh, that's what i want to be so whilst there i started doing the courses to become a financial planner then a job opportunity came up in a small financial planning firm so i joined that as like an admin assistant advisor para planner it's a small firm so you had to wear many hats and started to learn how to deal with clients and what you need to do in financial planning. Did that for a few years, became a junior financial planner, then moved up to senior financial planner, then the principal financial planner. Then after a few years of that, set up my own business to have my own direction. Okay. And you said that you did the business degree and then you, over time, you felt that interest to become a financial planner. What was that interest? Was it helping people or theory behind of solving problems and so forth? It's a little bit of all of that. Yeah. So I think initially, I think you could get paid better back yeah. there. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, the first yeah. one. But I actually enjoy talking with people and helping people. I find it's a way that you can actually make a big difference in people's lives by sorting out these financial issues. And you see, it's like most people, you want a client that's got millions of dollars and stuff like that, but I probably get the most benefit or personal benefit out of an older person that doesn't have much money at all. And you can just set them on the right direction and free their mind and help them get the age pension and maximize what they need. It makes me feel better as a person and being able to see them live a happy life. Gotcha. So you felt out it was more about the genuine care that you wanted to give to people and help them really have a better life. It makes the job a lot better and a lot easier if you think that way. If you're just going in it for the money, 
you're going to struggle. So it's actually, it's really, really good just to help people and understanding how you can help them and change their lives. Yeah, sure. And when it comes to helping people, some people have that knack and some don't. Do you feel like that was sort of a skill that you already had when it came to connecting with people or was that something that you built over time? Definitely something I built. So when I first went into the super industry, they asked me if I wanted to go into the call center or back room admin. So I was yeah. in my early 20s and I was petrified to talk to people. <laughs> um, but getting that experience talking to people and you get more comfortable over time. Um, I remember my first meeting with a client. I was so nervous, just one-on-one and I probably stuffed it up a lot. Um, but you learn through experience and I was lucky enough to get those opportunities to sit in with a senior financial planner and understand how to relate to people and and I did a lot of my own personal research how to talk to people like all the um, eye contact and all that type of stuff and active listening because when someone comes into a financial planner they want to unload unleash all that information so you have to be a good listener yeah of course and so being a good listener, uh, what else comes with personal skills? You need to show a bit of empathy and or emotional intelligence and so forth? 100%. So empathy, rapport, and then it goes into that problem-solving part. So you need to let the people talk about their problems and then be able to understand it and relate it back to them and provide solutions. So I think the financial planners that don't go as well, like or don't last long-term, are the ones that are trying to sell a product or sell something sell this, sell their process. It does, everyone is different and everyone reacts differently. So to be successful, you need to actually understand your client. Everyone's different and kind of adapt to their situation. And I think based on what you're saying, a word comes into my mind is that word trust. People coming to you with their hard earnings throughout their lifetime and go, hey, Chris, I want to do something with this money. I want to make sure I retire on time or earlier. So how do you, you know, with those personal skills, is there a particular thing that you do or is it just over time where you build that trust with a client? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, I don't know. You kind of get an idea where people are more trustworthy or other. So it just, I don't know if it's down to the personality of people or yeah. what it is because um, I'm a trusting person and I'm open and I hope, I think maybe people see that as well. Like yeah. you try not to sell or something like that. You're just yourself. And if yeah. you're an open person and honest and um looks like you're trying to help yeah. i think that people can feed off that and understand that and feel that as well so it's like not coming off too salesy coming across really genuine that hey i'm actually here to help you exactly right and i yeah. do have a genuine interest yeah. in helping people so it's um yeah so i didn't you don't have to fake it basically great and speaking of clients and helping them at times it would be quite difficult to probably give them the solution they want do people come in with a lot of high expectations that you're going to solve everything for them? Yes. So we get some people where they've got no money and they're struggling and they've got all this debt and you have to tell people, it's like, you might need to sell down this. You might need to budget better and they want instant solutions. As a financial planner, we're kind of a guide. We can't make the, we have, we can advise the changes, but not make them. People need to change their lifestyle. If someone's spending $100,000 a year and they earn $80,000 a year, it just doesn't work. And trying to explain that to people and using debt to fund your lifestyle and just trying to give them that understanding. So sometimes it is difficult and there's some people that you just can't help. People will run out of money, but 
Most people take on the advice and understand that they need to make changes to their own financial situation. And again, back to that interpersonal skills, was it over time to learn how to say no to people or get them to understand that expectation? Definitely. So it's like within experience, like you're just trying to help everyone and going over and like way too far where people just can't be helped. If they won't take your advice and won't listen to you, they keep coming back with issues year after year. It's just impossible. So these days, it's kind of like this is the way you need to kind of go and you're patient and because it's a big change for a lot of people, but people get there and then sometimes it's got like, look, this is all I can do for you. If you're not going to take the advice, well, we just need to part ways, I think. That makes sense because you can't please everyone, right? Exactly right. There's yeah. so many different personalities. <laughs> <laughs> totally. The other thing is when it comes to that communication part, you can obviously set expectations, give them the right information. But what about helping people understand because I know finance is very difficult mm -hmm. and I know that some people think that for example your super is a savings account so by the time I retire there'll be this lump sum of money for me to use people in finance you know that's not the case so what did you do to help yourself to really get all that complex information down to simple terms because you would have to change your communication style with every different type of customer Definitely. So when you're coming through learning, you've got all the acronyms and stuff like that you speak in and all these different finance words that people don't understand because you're not in the industry. So it's over time and experience, listening with hundreds of client meetings, speaking to older financial advisors that have been through it and other, just your peer group of financial advisors, catching up with them. You're learning how to communicate to clients and explain it in a way that they can understand. Super is a tax structure. People go, my super's gone bad. We talk about super being, it's a tax structure. You can have anything you want in super almost anything you could have cash you could have shares you could have property but your super's going bad that's kind of where i try and change a person's thinking it's in that respect so talking about like the day-to-day -day stuff now can you actually deep dive a little bit further what a day looks like let's say i'm a new client what is what's the process in having that conversation and what do you do behind the scenes to prepare me to hopefully build my wealth yeah. So a client, new client will phone up and they've got a problem. So that's why they've come to see you. They've, I want to retire, for example, um, but I don't know how. So not a problem. So I'll send them some information, client profile to get some personal information. And I say, send, send me that back and we'll organize a meeting in a week. And I'll come up with some kind of pre things that we can look at when they come to that meeting and go, look, this is where you need to be. This is what, what you need to do. I need to go into the numbers a bit further if you want. And I'll do a financial plan or a statement of advice for you. And we can work out the next steps. And that's charge a fee for that type of work that's where some people some advisors might lose a client and that's probably the skill part of being able to and you kind of work out if the client's right for you and if you're right for the client you're right for the client type of thing and we go from there after that we put together um, some information so if they go yes happy to go ahead with the financial plan then we get all their super statements and all their information put it all together into a financial plan mapping out from the next like 5 10 20 30 years of what they need to do it's also important in financial planning that things change every year. We can't guarantee returns. We need real expectations. So the share market might go up 20% one year, might go down 20% the next year. Understanding that you're not always going to get 5%, 6%, 7% return every year. And we need to adapt to different situations. So it's important to have an ongoing relationship with an advisor. You might not need to go in every year, depending on your situation. It might be every three, four, five years, depending on what you've got. But um, it's important to keep on adapting your finances to your situation as it changes through yeah, life. Right. And what's your practice in keeping in touch with your clients? Do you try and 
regularly meet them once a year or at least every two years at a maximum? I contact them at least once a year just to say, do you want to come in for a meeting? You don't need to, but if you want to. Um, and some people I tell them, like I have a quick look at their situation, go, look, you probably don't need to if everything's still the same, but if you do, feel free to come in. Um, some people, especially early on when they're new clients, they you might see them three or four times in the first year just to get so they're comfortable. And I want them to be comfortable because you make the client comfortable early on, it'll be easier in the long term. So never had any complaints, never had any one like markets or what we've done. It's because if we're both on the same page, everyone understands what's happening. It's a smooth relationship. Gotcha. I'm sure there's a lot of things behind the scenes where you probably need to come up with appropriate strategies or options and methods that you might use to help the client to go, hey, we've got these three options. What are your thoughts? So we'll talk us through how that come about. Yeah. So you need to keep up to date with everything that's happening in the market. So read the fin review, reading the papers, um, all the financial emails and stuff from all the different companies. There's a lot of information you need to be able to dissect what's good for your clients and what's not so good. So there's constant research going on and then trying to work it out where it'll work into a client situation. There's product manufacturers bringing out new products all the time. So you need to kind of be aware of the range of things out there, products out there that can help clients. Yeah, right. And you said a lot of reading. Do you feel like you read a lot every day just to keep up to date? Yeah. So yeah. like scan through the Fin Review every day just to see what's happening around in the world. It's part of, like, I like to know as well. I'm interested in it. And But clients will come up with questions and what do you think is happening here? What, what's this geopolitical issue going to happen? What this political thing, what's going to happen there? So, And it also goes down into the legislation and stuff like that. There's always changes in legislation. There has been over the last 10 years. What's happening, changes in super rules, etc. tax rules. So it, you really need a Centrelink rules. You need to keep it really wide read and understanding what's happening in the market. Yeah, and so based on that, what you've got to read and often keep up to date, how do you do that? Do you network or do you have, are you part of a financial planning association that gives you all this information or are you part of some government website or Centrelink website that continues to give you updates? So a lot of the product manufacturers, so they give information on their product, but they'll also give information about the changes in the industry. So for, to read their article, for example, like a super company might say, look, um, these are the changes in super and here's some information on our product will work for you. So that kind of, that kind of helps. So we get there's that many products out there. You get that much information from that, that source. But then you also source out your own independent information because you don't want to believe what it, someone's trying to sell you something. You don't want to just believe them straight off the bat type of thing. Yeah, great. And probably reflecting back on your interest in becoming a financial planner, is financial planning really technical? Because I guess from an average person, they would think it's technical. So do you really have to have a passion for numbers and the finance? Or do you feel like that's something you can just learn? I think that's you have to have a little bit of an interest in understanding. So there's there are some numbers. We've all got calculators these days. But understanding, it's fitting in like legislation and like the changes with the client situation, combining the two things. That's kind of the real skill. So you need to have a good understanding of the rules and numbers and then understanding of a client situation and merging it. So I think that's the real skill, combining those two. And when you're combining all those skills and coming up with the right options or right products for your client, how do you determine what's the right product and who you want to associate with and offer to your clients? Yeah, so there's products that are real cheap and there's products that are a bit more expensive and one's in the middle. They've all got different parts so I, I talked to the client i said look there's this product that's 
real cheap, but it's actually quite good if you're not that interested in doing stuff with it, basically. It's just going to sit there. Or do you want something that's got a few more bells and whistles? So it's, we, I talked to the client about what, there's, there's options out there. So I think that helps going back to building rapport and trust and stuff. So I'm not just trying to flog one product. I'm pretty product agnostic. Um, it doesn't bother me which product we use. Um, some are easier to deal with from my behalf, some are harder. So I kind of give the client the options so they understand that I'm trying to look after their best interest, not my best interest. Yeah, gotcha. So talking about looking after someone's best interest and all that process that you go through and keeping it up to date, do you have a, a success story that really always comes into mind where you've incorporated all your skills, people skills, technical skills to really get the right outcome for them? Yeah, there's a few. Um, yeah. One that comes to mind, um, I had this couple, older couple, probably in their early 60s, um, looking to retire. And they didn't feel they had enough money. So doing the meetings, I was going like, you actually do, but people get worried that they think their money's going to run out. So I was, just give, I was giving, trying to give them the reassurances that, that they do have the money because they're dream was to travel around Australia in a caravan for a year, year and a half. So we planned it for about two or three years. I said, so when they're mid 63, 64, I said, you've got some money there, the pension will kick in at age 67, and then you'll be on X income for the rest of your life. You've got this and we've got your home. So all these different solutions to make them feel comfortable, they'll be able to do that. So we're working towards that. And they were the happiest when it came to two or three years later, when they actually got to do it and quit their job, they thought they had to work till they were 70. So they got to quit work seven oh, years er earlier and they got to do that travel. And so glad it was because it really sticks out is because the wife got cancer and passed oh, away. Wow. They got to do the trip, but they wouldn't have if they didn't come and see me earlier. And yeah, totally. So he was still quite upset, obviously, but, of course. Like, but he would have been very grateful. Yes, so that's where he was like very thankful and that made me feel so much better thing. They got to leave, do what they want to do. Yeah, that's basically. a great story. You know, people had this expectation, got to work till 70, came and spoke to a youth professional and say, well, you don't, you just have to work the next couple of more years. You can actually retire earlier, go enjoy your life, do your dream, which is go and travel around Australia. And so they got to do that. Yeah. Where yeah. otherwise, as you said, they probably wouldn't have done so. Exactly. Wow, that's a great story. Thank you. What about the other side? I'm not going to ask you for an unsuccessful story, but I'm sure there's probably things that you don't like doing as a financial planner because I know in most jobs there's probably 10% we don't like. What's that look like? Uh, paperwork, clients. You want to be compliant and do the right thing, but it's at the moment it's very over the top red tape in financial planning, but there are things in motion where it's going to change. So hopefully by next year it will be a lot easier to be able to help a client do the right thing by them. What's changing in terms of next year? Their chat, so a statement of advice is a big legal document. The only people that really care about it are the lawyers and, gov and the government. Um, clients don't read it. Financial planners have to write a 50-page document. Hopefully by next year, it will be a 10, 15-page with all the, without the legal mumbo-jumbo and just the information that the clients need. And in terms of change, what do you see what else is going to change in the next couple of years down the line and how does that impact current financial planners and future people that want to become a financial planner? Yeah. So super funds are going to become more involved in retirement planning and financial advice from next year, most likely. Um, so there's so many, there's 28,000 financial advisors over the last couple of years. We're down to about 15,000. Right. Um, with all the legislation changes, because you need the degree and the professional year these days. Um, so it's a higher bar entry to get into financial planning. With the super funds in advice, they can probably offer financial advice at a cheaper level, but it's going to be, I'm thinking, more simplistic with robo-advice and stuff like that. But I feel that 
clients still want a face-to-face and a relationship and rapport. It's their life savings. It's very important to a lot of people and that's pretty important. So being able to have those people skills, people want to speak to people, people want that connection, people want someone in your corner. They don't want a different person every week. I think that's going to be the big change. So people skills is hugely important and understanding what you need to do for clients is yeah, huge. Right. And do you feel like that's going to be the same for the future generations? Because our kids are still at school, but they're already all about technology. And parents, we always talk about conscious of making sure they're going out with their friends and talking to people and talking to adults to build that interpersonal skills. But through time, that generation might not want to talk to people or are more comfortable dealing with your AI's technology. Do you feel like that's going to be a challenge or do you no, there's still going to be a need for interperson interaction. I've been thinking about that a lot because it's obviously the younger generation and they're on the computers all the time. Um, I'm still getting younger people coming in because it still is quite confusing mm-hmm. and computer AI might spit out something, but you kind of want to validate it as well. Yeah, good point. I'm finding that at the moment, but you know, like in two generations' time, they might just agree with everything that the computer spits out it's going to be an interesting journey but i always feel there's people still want personal connections we're human it's a human emotion human need I yeah think. no fair call and do you, are you yourself are you doing anything or planning your business ahead of time for anything um always putting stuff online and making it easy for a client that's always what you want to do yeah. you want to make it easy for them to become a client and getting the information um Always looking at the technology. Haven't been super sold on anything yet. That there's bits and pieces, but nothing yet. But always looking at, and I'm assuming that there hasn't been much investment in financial planning technology over the last couple of years. I think that will be kind of sped up now that super funds are going to be joining the industry in giving advice. So I think that's going to change things over the next couple of years. So it's, watch the space; it's going to change yeah. a lot. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think just reading on all this AI, not just in financial planning or finance industry, every other industry is going to have this challenge. Yes. Uh, so yes, we definitely have to watch this space. So hopefully in a couple of years time, when I come back and talk to you, it might be like saying, oh, I've got this new AI system, or you might still be have a, a financial planning assistant because you still really believe in that whole interaction because that's getting the business that you need. Yeah, hopefully you're not doing the interview with a computer next yeah, time. There you that's go, right. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to do myself out of the job. Oh, fantastic. Well, Chris, I've only got one last question. Been in this industry for over 20 years. What's your advice to people that want to get into financial planning? If you want to get into financial planning, I think it's a good start to start at one of the super funds. Build an understanding of the products and talking to people. So working have a range of jobs in one of those super funds or call centers, work at, look at the products. And then probably the next step is to work in, potentially work in a financial planner's office where you can see day to day and sitting in with meetings. And I know when I first started, you think like after a year that you know everything when you're young, but seriously, you'd need years and years and years of just sitting with clients, seeing situations, speaking with people, understanding the industry before you become actually a very good financial planner, in my opinion. Yeah, good one. And I think also it probably builds your credibility, right? Like someone like a 40-year-old who's probably close to paying their mortgage off and want to really start building their wealth for retirement doesn't really probably want to speak to a maybe potentially a 25-year-old who probably hasn't had that life experience. Is that a fair call? Yes, definitely. You want to have some experience. You want to be able to... My own personal experience has changed, like 
shapes how I do things and having kids and understanding how much childcare costs, how much schools cost and all the activities. So you can kind of relate, build that rapport with clients who are in similar situations or have gone, going to go through those situations. You find people that are going to spend, put in a lot of debt, but they've just got married, but they don't have kids yet. So explain to them that maybe someone's going to be off work for a bit and you're going to have childcare expenses to be aware of that into the future. Yeah, great. Chris, thank you for your time. Good insight and uh, some good tips there. Thanks, Jan. I hope you enjoyed our recent episode with Chris as we delve into the world of financial planning, which offers both rewards and challenges. It sounded like it was a significant commitment, but a truly satisfying as you're helping clients through their path to financial wealth or security. Being a financial planner is undeniably rewarding, but it requires dedication and patience. It's not a skill you can quickly acquire. It involves you to gain more life experiences yourself so that you can build better connection with your clients, making yourself more relatable. Chris also mentioned the impact of technology and AI. Robo-advice is becoming more prevalent, but many people still seek that human touch to validate the information, but also connect with those life experiences. This suggests that there will continue to be a need for financial planners in the future. And additionally, staying well informed is very crucial. Keeping up with financial news, global events and adhering to government and industry regulations are all part of the job. It's certainly a lot of work, but the joy of helping people secure their financial future makes it all worthwhile. I hope you found these insights useful. Thanks for tuning in and make today a good news day.